This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hello, and welcome to Little Gold Men, the podcast that reminds you incessantly that award season is a year-round affair and not just something that happens from September to February, although it's almost September. And so it really is starting to heat up. I'm Mike Hogan, digital director of Vanity Fair. I'm here with Richard Lawson, our film critic. Hello. And a special host today, Hollywood editor Hilary Busis. Hi, thank you for making Did me feel special. Right? Yes. You are very special. We feel special that you're here. We have a really exciting show lined up for you today. We're going to talk about a movie that Richard actually liked. Is I know. It's been a rare been weeks. feat. It's been months, maybe, since that happened. We're going to talk about another movie that um, Richard liked. Yeah. Uh, did you like it? Uh, so the first one is yeah. Pete's Dragon. Yeah. The second one is L, the Paul, the Paul, Paul Verhoeven mm-hmm. film. Kind of a strange double feature. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One for Don't kids, one this very much not for kids. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go dig into the New York Film Festival lineup and other uh, fall release stuff that is really starting to whet our appetites for a, a real award season. Uh, Hollywood is going to start actually releasing good movies. That's the promise of this time of year. And then we will relitigate. The 1982, I believe, best picture uh, race when Chariots of Fire beat out a group of films that included On Golden Pond and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, it was a crazy year. That's it. I've just laid down all of our cards right onto the table. Yeah. So let's talk about Pete's Dragon. Not directed by the David Lowry who founded Camper Van Beethoven and Cracker. I don't know if anyone... I might just be aging myself. Do you guys even know what I'm talking uh, about? That just That's all the over other my David Lowry. Like, like Cracker's the guy who invented Crackers? There was a band <laughs> called Cracker in the 90s. I remember Camper Van Beethoven? Sam knows what I'm talking about. Sam, I know. I know Sam's Uncle like, Cracker. Not really. Okay. <laughs> guys, this was early alternative rock uh, stuff. Anyway, you probably would recognize one of their songs. But this is the David Lowry who directed Ain't Them Body Saints. Yeah. Yeah. He's like an indie kind of new, new, newcomer-ish. And lived in the back seat of his car for years oh, making right? tiny micro-budget micro movies. And now Disney was like, here's eight figures. Yeah, I would guess. Yeah. Make make a movie. So tell yeah. us about it. What um, yeah, it's um, it's another in this kind of exciting thing where Disney and a, a couple other studios are taking these big risks on kind of indie directors to take beloved cultural properties and do something cool with them. Um, I mean, they're doing that a lot with like the Marvel movies. But yeah, so, you know, Pete's Dragon, 1977, mostly live action, somewhat animated movie. It's beloved, I think, by a certain mm-hmm. generation um, of people my age, a little older, about a boy who's kind of well in that movie he's a runaway but uh in this one he kind of 
his parents are killed in an accident and he ends up living in the woods with his it's kind of a Tarzan jungle book thing. It's a Tarzan jungle book kind of thing. And he has a friend who's a dragon who kind of is his pal and his caretaker. And, and this movie, you know, this, this, this risk that Disney took really pays off because it's kind of, it's beautiful. It's like a really great movie for both kids and adults. It's the rare one that, um, I think I mentioned in my review that doesn't just kind of please kids with its silly stuff and then, you know, throw a couple little ironic over the kids head jokes to the adults. It actually kind of, it reaches kids and adults in a very sort of organic, sincere way, which is yeah. pretty cool. So I saw Ain't the Body Saints at, at Sundance, I think, right? Sure, yeah. And that is not a movie where walking out of it, I'd be like, let's give this guy a Disney movie, right? I mean, what is no. the, what's, is there a thread between the two things? I, I honestly don't know. I mean, my guess would be that... Well, just yeah. for people, if they haven't seen it, Ain't the Body Saints, really dark sort of Western... Crime uh, romance kind of crime a thing. Crime romance. Like Rooney Mara, right? Rooney Mara yeah. and Casey Affleck, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and brilliant. But but yeah. but anyway, so this is this is a totally different tone. This is a different mood. Yeah, this is... I'm I'm sure that, you know, I think that David Lowry is the right age to have liked the 1977 version. And I'm sure when this project was kind of brought up, he was like, oh, I have a pitch for that. And then like, sold mm-hmm. it and it's and it really really works i mean it's a it's um you know and i think that in a summer that has been awful for movies by my estimation especially you know, sequels and reboots yeah no exactly and you know like compared to ghostbusters which i'm not a fan of other people are more of a fan of that movie than i am but like this is just so refreshing because it 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 takes a kind of a cultural property that you know and doesn't revive it cynically it, it doesn't try to just hit the same beats it does something really new and um exciting so i'm 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 really pleasantly surprised but also pete's dragon wasn't a ghostbusters level no phenomenon right it was just kind of like weird quirky yeah i wonder if part of the reason this movie succeeds is because the original has you know people have fond memories of it but they aren't so in love with it that they are unprepared to they see have a new version of it built their lives around it yeah. the way that apparently some people did with ghostbusters <laughs> yeah apparently no one on the internet is being like you're destroying my childhood <laughs> right by remaking peace right, right, and they are right, certainly right. saying that about ghostbusters so it, but the original was actually nominated for two oscars Best uh, original song and best music. The song was You Light Up My Life. Is that right? It was, <laughs> no, it, no, it was, it was, it was Candle can, on the Water. Candle on the Water. That's yeah. right. But You Light Up yeah. My Life is in Peace Dragon as well. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. All right. That I didn't even realize. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm pretty I think, sure that's right. I think You Light Up My Life won the Oscar and Candle on the Water was also nominated. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So I'm I was just reading up on Pete's Dragon. Oh, yeah. Well played. Yeah, Shelly Winters sings a song. You know, it's, it's, it's a, good to have someone yeah. new. They actually do some homework before they come <laughs> in here. All right, so any any uh, Oscar possibilities here Um the new one? I think that you, I mean, uh, it's, you know, it's a sort of smaller August release. I think it would probably be a tough sell. The special effects are really subtly done. Like, um, the you know, the dragon is CGI and is, but unlike the original, he's visible for most of the time. And it's really, really well done. And I think that bringing a small indie director into this big kind of thing, like I think that he understands not making the special effects really intrusive. Like mm-hmm. they're just kind of organic to the movie. So I think that could be one. Um, it's It's got a bunch of original songs in it, or, or I guess they're kind mm-hmm. of remakes of songs. So um, maybe that. But no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, think, I think hopefully its legacy if not it won't be awardsy it'll just be like a nice movie that kids and parents like for you know right the next few years or something i don't know it it 
it's a little bit smaller than you want from this bad movie summer you want like to end on something big but it's it's not that unfortunately but so if your friends insist on going to see suicide squad you can just <sighs> go over to pete's dragon right well that's the other thing is i saw pete's dragon the day after i saw suicide squad and i was like so like Ugh, i hate movies like i don't <laughs> this summer is awful and i went just like by myself and like you know some afternoon to Times square and you know and then i like just wept through this like movie. So Bryce Dallas Howard gets to wear pants in Pete's Dragon. She, she does. Have She's to walk not around in the forest and stilettos and in shiny blue nets. underwear. No, she Bryce Dallas Howard is so good in the movie. And you know, I was joking. Former Vanity Fair intern. I just want to point that. Is that out. right? Oh, yeah. Really? Uh, yes, indeed. Okay. Um. Yeah. She. You know. That's. She, we taught her everything she knows yeah, about that's acting. That's right. Yeah. We taught her how to wear stilettos in a forest. I can right. tell you that. <laughs> this and is. Well, her, she got that out she, of her system yeah, last and summer. She ignored that advice in this movie, which I'm I'm ashamed to say. Yeah, and this is her second movie in two years where she's dealing with giant lizards and little boys. Yeah, well, that is interesting. <laughs> so I right? hope she's Something working on some strange kind of trilogy. Going on there. Is there another yeah. Godzilla that we can do? Put her in there. Uh, yeah, you know, there there very well could be. But yeah, I, she's great in the movie. It's, I mean, in a just world, she would be in a supporting actress conversation. I think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That will never happen. How about Pete? <laughs> I feel. I feel oh, like Pete's we're in good. an age where there's like just child acting generally has gotten so much better. Like. Yeah. By huge amounts, I think that people figured out the, what was going wrong in the nineties, mm-hmm. where they were high, they were all wanted Smugging. sort of Olsen twins, like they wanted precocious, and then they're like, no, we don't want it anymore. So they're just by the right mm-hmm. medication too. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're just heavily drugged. <laughs> don't look at their pupils too hard. <laughs> right, it's, it's a sad sight. The kid's name is Oaks Begley, which is like quite Good a name, name. and it, it's a, it's a name I wouldn't mind like like having kind of <laughs> swirl through the or season, like in the same way that. Um, Jacob Tremblay, like sort of, yeah. was, was fun to have last. <laughs> well, it's year. hard for these child actors because you have to have a name that's not already taken mm-hmm. Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. That's why they always have these yeah. weirdo names. Yeah, Oaks Beckley because the does. parents almost are planning for their children to well, join the or they have Screen to change, Actors Guild. I think change the names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You can't just be Joe Smith. You yeah. know. Oh, excuse mm-hmm. me. It's Oaks Fegley. Oaks Fegley. Yeah. Excuse me. See, Oaks Begley's probably already taken. <laughs> well, Oaks it. Begley Jr. is probably Oaks. Ed Begley Jr.'s <laughs> son or such grandson. I don't know. It was Elm Begley or Oaks Begley. <laughs> exactly. He had to choose between those two. Yeah. But he looks a little bit like one of the kids from Stranger Things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he? And he's got the same similar, like, like he's not a first time actor, this kid Oaks. He's been in stuff before, but um, he's got that same Stranger Things vibe of like, oh, they just like found a kid and we're like, do you want to be in a movie? You know, mm-hmm. like it's, mm-hmm. it's natural. It's, it doesn't feel forced. Yeah. Um, right. which is like super important. And there's another girl or a girl in the movie kind of who plays his sort of counterpart who's been in stuff. She was in Southpaw. Um, I think her name is Una something. Uh, she, she's, she's more of a trained child actor, but she's also really good and like really natural. Mm-hmm. So the, something about this d- the direction of the movie kind of coaxes these easy, um, mm-hmm. lived in performances yeah. out of children, which is really hard to do. And especially when you're acting opposite a CGI dragon. Well, yeah, there. exactly. And this, the, the Oaks Fegley does a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of just him and this, uh, maybe it was a Andy Circus type actor. I don't know. I don't know. Like doing kind of acting opposite him, but he, it's really convincing. Like he, he sells it, which is not, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen adults felled by that. Chris Pratt was felled by that in, uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy, I thought sometimes. Like he, mm-hmm. when he was talking to the raccoon, I was like, oh, you're just clearly just looking at <laughs> like a block, like behind a green screen. You know? Ping pong right. ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Oaks really sells it. Yes. I mean, I think it's has to, must have to do with like childhood and imagination. And, you know, he can yeah. kind of picture it in a way that adults mm-hmm. kind of can't, which yeah. is what the movie is sort of about. So yeah. he can, of, uh, he can make friends with Neil. 
what's his face the jungle book kid and they can commiserate about uh acting opposite hand puppets yeah right in like 10 or 15 years they can have a uh some sort of like remember that crazy summer and a little girl from the bfg Oh yeah, the BFG, and there is a com- there is a comparison to be made there. I think. Yeah, it, they seem like similar stories, but the BFG yeah. it seems like you think failed where Peace Dragon succeeded. I think the BFG is so studious in its making and so kind of stayed that mm-hmm. it it's just boring. And this movie maybe runs that risk, Peace Dragon, a little bit, but I think it it, it finds the kind of fun and adventure and wonder, and I think also just having you know. With BFG, like Roald Dahl is a really hard source material to get right because it's so beloved and it's so good and it's mm-hmm. so fun and kind of edgy and dark and weird. Peace Dragon is was less of that. Like they there was yeah. a le- there was the, the degree of difficulty was lower. But um, right, yeah. I mean, BFG was you can uh, let a little more air in. You don't absolutely, have to be, mm-hmm. yeah. You're yeah. not hitting every single mark the entire time. Absolutely, and BFG was like a rare bomb for Steven Spielberg yeah. this summer. It really did not do well. So maybe this can kind of course correct the summer live action slash CGI children's movie genre. I don't know. I'll be your candle on the water. My love for you will always burn. And drifting, but the clouds are lifting. Don't give up, you have somewhere to turn. I'll be your candle on the water till every wave is warm and bright. My soul is there. Beside you, let this candle guide you. Soon you'll see a golden stream of light. A cold and friendless tide has found you. Don't let the stormy darkness pull. Speaking of course correcting, yeah. How does Paul Verhoeven get from Starship Troopers oh. to L, a kind of Oscar-y Well, I think Showgirls movie. was in between those two. Showgirls was 95, Starship Troopers was, 2000, uh, was 97. Oh, I just really? happened to have this I'm open. sorry. Um, so we, more than one of us did our homework, turns out. <laughs> I uh, was just testing you. I wanted yeah, yeah, to make exactly. sure you were prepared. But Paul Verhoeven, the, the d- very talented um, but controversial director of Total Recall and RoboCop and Starship Troopers and Showgirls, is here with this movie that is very much a French art film, although at times it starts to feel almost like a parody of a French art film. But Isabelle Huppert? Huppert, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a hell of a performance, right? This oh, is yeah. like mm-hmm. an unbelievable performance. I sound like Donald Trump. I mean, it really is a great performance. But uh, this could be this could be a, a best actress uh, nomination. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is a movie that was at Cannes, but I missed it because I I had to be home, um, and it was like the last day of the festival. Um, yeah. And yeah, and and you know, I think that when talking about this movie, obviously you want to talk about Isabelle Huppert because she's amazing in it, but also the fact that Paul Verhoeven before Showgirls made basic instinct and a oh, of course. weird yes. crazy sexualized thriller and this movie 
is that, but French. <laughs> yeah. And, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. with, because it's French has that sort of more art housey vibe mm-hmm. to it. And, you know, I, I was reading about, about the movie uh, about L it's written by an American guy and was originally supposed to be, so it's based on a French novel, but was written, the script was written in English was kind of, they were going to take it from Paris to New York. And when Verovin got involved, he was like, no, we have to put it back in Paris because no American actress would ever play a role this amoral. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> enter Isabel Huppert, he might be right. who, who will do anything. And I don't know, he's totally right. I mean, I'm yeah. trying to think of like yep. an English speaking actor or, you know, native English speaking actress who could do this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the only one I can think of is Nicole Kidman. I yeah. think I think he I read an interview too where he mentioned maybe Jennifer Jason Lee would have Oh yeah. been a possibility. Uh-huh. That could have been uh-huh. interesting. Oh, that would have been a very different movie. Yeah. You know, Isabel Huppert has a sort of glamour about her that I don't think Jennifer Jason Lee has. And that glamour kind of works to good effect and cre- creepy effect in the movie. Yeah, fierce, fierce and and yeah. very sexual and yeah. she's 63 years old. Yeah. I mean she's and she's playing about 50. Yeah, she's playing yeah. probably mid 50s yeah. maybe or something. Yeah. yeah. But so quickly for those at home who have not uh, read up on this or seen it, the setup is this woman in her 50s who runs a uh video game company and has a very very fucked up family life is violently raped in her home. That's the very first thing that you see. And and the way they present it in the kind of write up of the film is she stalks her rapist but it's like way more complicated way than more. that and yeah. extremely morally and sexually complicated. yeah reading up on it and then watching it are two vastly different experiences <laughs> yeah. because i there was some stuff about how it's kind of a revenge comedy there was some stuff about yeah. how she's playing like a cat and mouse game with this guy and i don't think that that's the movie at all I, it almost no. feels like the people marketing the movie were like how? We can say this is a revenge fantasy, right? <laughs> Even though that's it's what's happening in the movie is much weirder than that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that it's a. I think beyond anything else, it's a provocation. It's yeah. like it's it's it kind of a a, a movie a, about rape, but also a movie about movies about rape. You know, like it it it's it's really yes. sort of questioning structures and how, how how this stuff is presented in other films in the same way that like a michael haneke movie like funny games kind of was like oh you like horror movies well here's a horror movie you know mm. this is kind of asking that same question about about you know revenge fantasies or whatever yeah and it's a real it throws you for a loop but i you know i think that because isabel huper is so central and so commanding in it that yeah. you kind of trust her and you're like all right take me where you're going i don't you know i never i don't know about you guys but i mm. I, I i felt sort of tense and and shocked by it but i never felt like i was out of control you know i i agree and what's interesting is they they give her backstory is so dark yeah. that it kind of <laughs> justifies everything yeah. and and lets you say like maybe maybe she would have actually you know behaved this way i don't know i think that's the only backstory that they could have given that character in <laughs> yeah. order for audiences not to Just say like why is she doing yeah. the things that she's yes. doing yeah yeah the other thing that's funny about it and, and a good reason to make it French is that it's a movie about adults mm-hmm. and instead of a movie about kids and, and, you know, dragons and all the rest of it, which America doesn't really do that much of anymore. We, we do that yeah. on TV. Yeah. And so, but the, but the kind of promise of a movie about adults is you'll see, oh, this is how like sophisticated Parisians live. Like, I still think this is like a caricature of how mm-hmm. sophisticated Parisians oh, live, right? Like absolutely. the whole thing is, it, it's sort of a farce. Yeah. 
making fun of of everything that's wrong with like bourgeois society. Yeah, right? and Verhoeven mm-hmm. is not a French guy, you know. I think he's right. Dutch, right? So <laughs> so he 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 is also an outsider looking into this kind of like glam Parisian life. Yeah, it absolutely. It's I think it's a farce of a lot of things, and it's also yeah. serious about a lot of things, and um, it's a really interesting mix. And I think you know, Huppert is an actress who has been in the awards conversation for a lot of years. I think since like the Piano Teacher was like her big role fifteen years ago, but has never been nominated and is really regarded. I mean, when you go to a festival like Cannes, when you talk to international journalists, she is regarded as the best actress in the world, like by many many people, like beyond yeah. Meryl Streep, like yeah. and. And but she's just never quite gotten that toehold in in America, for whatever reason. Well, she mm-hmm. sure has the material here. The only yeah. question is: Is yeah. it too dark for the Academy? Which yeah. I, think I don't know. It could if be. if Amor had difficulty penetrating into the conversation, and this is a billion times less marketable or commercial than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a tough sell. I mean, it's Amor though was. People were afraid to watch it mm-hmm. because it was just so relentlessly dark. Yeah. This one is more the setup. I was like not looking forward to it just given the setup. Like mm-hmm. I don't like watching rape stuff personally. And then. Uh, it's an unusual position. To yeah. Take. Right. And then and then, you know, but actually it's very entertaining and sort of mind blowing. But but there is something about the Oscars where they tend to sort of get a little moralistic. Like we can't really mm-hmm. reward that. Can we right. like, like a movie that, I mean, just spoiler alert, like the whole crucial thing here is that you kind of get the feeling she likes it. Yeah. That's the whole issue that people mm-hmm. are, you know, that, that also could become a, a, a weapon against it. If somebody wants to start doing a little negative campaigning, I, that never happens in Hollywood. Yeah. But if somebody were for, to do the first negative campaign in history, many people are saying that this movie, many people are saying that she likes it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I think, uh, our, uh, you know, um, my friend and colleague Guy Lodge, who's a film critic for Variety, when he reviewed it at, uh, L at, can he was like it's i think he called it like a think piece generating machine or something i mean like yeah if this <laughs> movie were troll. if it was in english and, and pe- more people saw it this thing would blow f- people's minds and like and like and really yeah. set a conversation aflame i don't know mm-hmm. that it'll do that because uh it's in french and you know it's going to be kind of an art house release from sony pictures classics but i do think that it's an it's incendiary and sort of provocative enough that i i think that Huppert has a really good shot I don't ask her. Yes. And, well, and if you can get people to watch it. Yeah. Well, they just need to they just need to tell gamers about it. And that'll oh, right. get. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. There's yeah. a whole gamers hook. in Yeah. This. She yeah. Uh, she uh, runs a video game company. Yeah. And I think that they would probably have some opinions about how video games are depicted in the movie. Yeah. Not a super flattering depiction of video games. Uh, and the culture either. around them. Mm hmm. Um, but but I do think, you know, actors branch is obviously the biggest part of the Academy. Actors are going to look at this at some level amorally and mm. say, holy shit, like that is just an unbelievable performance. Yeah. So for that reason alone, I think you could you could definitely see her getting a richly deserved nomination and just to put herself through this mm-hmm. at 63. Yeah, it's it's wild and brave. And in a way, like, I hate using that word about acting, <laughs> but like this is really brave. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's wild what she yeah. does and is, you know, and she trusts Farabin to take her there and, and they and they do something kind of remarkable together. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the review's director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. 
Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. Yeah. You know, and this movie isn't going to be out for a long time, but it is going to be at New York Film Festival. Right. Which is yes. why we're kind of talking about it. Uh, and, you know, this is not Isabella Huppert's only movie at the New York Film Festival. She also has a movie called Things to Come. So, you know, when we're talking about her Oscar chances, maybe she'll kind of cancel herself out. But, like, this other movie, Things to Come, is directed by Mia Hansen-Love, who made that movie Eden about the DJs that I yeah, loved Yeah, that's a great last movie. Year. So mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it, that was at, it was at Berlin uh, before it's going to be at New York Film Festival in October. And it got raves from Berlin. So, I mean, she could be a, a double contender. I don't know. Yeah. But, or you could even imagine a world where... You know, sometimes they like to give the nomination for the less crazy mm-hmm. but a little more palatable one. Right. You know right. what I mean? And I think it stands for both, but like, don't make us nominate the rape, mo- the rape movie where she may or mm-hmm. may not like it. Right. Marion Cotillard you know? getting the nomination for Two Days, One Night instead of The Immigrant. The Immigrant being kind of the yeah. tougher tale, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. the Two Days, One Night being a little bit more palatable. Yeah. And, and, and the other bear movie, The Things to Come, is, you know, it's about a woman dealing with her mother's death. And it's, I think it's a, my guess is that it's a little Seems bit more. Seems more awards friendly. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, again, it's in French, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's never that award friendly but but yeah i think of the two although i would really like i mean i haven't seen things to come yet i'm really excited to see it in toronto um it'll be there before it's at new york film festival but all right so what else is at new york film festival that we need to have on our radars here well one of them is something we talked about last week which is the lost city of z that's the james gray movie about people explorers that i i I think we edited it out of last week's episode but i said that brad (laughs) pitt was in it he was at one point in it he is now just producing it okay. but it's still um, Robert Pattinson's in it and Charlie Hunnam and a couple other people so that's closing night That's that'll be big but I'm more excited about the opening night which is the 13th which is um, Ava DuVernay who directed Selma it's a documentary that she made kind of really just I think kind of all encompassing about civil rights struggle and, and uh, I think it refers to the 13th amendment so that's opening night of the festival for, and for that to be a documentary that's pretty big mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm excited for that and you know it's been a good documentary year thus far but this kind of should add to that but in on the scripted end um for our sort of oscar purposes the one i'm most excited about is a movie called 20th century women uh which is directed by mike mills who made that movie beginners that um mm-hmm. love it Christopher and love all of his yeah. music videos he's like yeah. a genius mike yeah mills. he's and he's he's kind of like gondry-esque michelle gondry-esque in that like he makes quirky stuff that's not annoyingly quirky yeah mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it kind of works so I don't know much about the plot of the movie, but uh, I know Annette Benning is in it, and I know that a friend of mine who lives in Los Angeles and sees things way earlier than I do, than most of us do, uh, saw it and said it's fantastic. I will say that the description made me roll my eyes a tiny bit. It was something like three different women, like help a young boy learn about life and love in the summer of 1979, which sounds... Uh, what could possibly be wrong with that, Hillary? Come on. <laughs> 
Sounds like a story that's never been told. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, I'm, glad, I'm just glad the women are helping a boy. That's, <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Really what... It's, it's, it's got to be his story. Right. We have to make sure that we tell a boy's coming of age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Annette Benning mm-hmm. plays the dragon. Right. Is that... <laughs> Eventually, she has to let him go so that she can fly off and help another boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But, you know, may but not, not pass the Bechtel test. Maybe not. But, but, okay. but Mills, I'm sure it's better you know, than the description makes it sound. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just, you know, again, like with L, for example. That description was, was just written to get the old guys who have the money to green light it. Then <laughs> yeah. there's a, actually there's a whole other thing you going on. You had me at boy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Women help a boy? 1979. I was alive then. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, Mills ha- does have an Oscar history now, you know, with Christopher Plummer. So, yes. um, so that's, that's kind of exciting. And Thumbsucker and, also was his previous film, which oh, was also right. great, yeah, course, based yeah. on a novel by Walter Kern, mm. another Vanity Fair. Intern? Former, uh, not intern, writer. <laughs> Actually, might have been. Uh, anyway, I, uh, he was a writer for us. Yeah. I just have, I'm here to just throw in all the Vanity Fair No, I like that. That's good. <laughs> it's, you know, just, it, 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 it just, you have to remind the listener of the brand, you know, just That's right. as, as often as possible. So I'm excited about that. And then I would say the, the other one that's, well, I mean, I should mention that it's a lot of canned stuff. It's L, it's Tony Erdman, a German movie that people love, the, uh, the Darden Brothers movie, uh, The Unknown Girl, and um, my favorite out of can Personal Shopper, the Kristen Stewart movie directed by Olivier Assez, yes. that I is yeah. really freaking weird, but yeah. is great. So there's a lot and of that. Kind of yeah. a follow up to Clouds of Sils Maria or whatever. Same people, same two yeah, people. Yeah, and, and she plays a similar role. She's, yeah. a, she's an, a, an assistant yeah, in she's both a, of them, basically. Right. And it's a real wackadoodle movie. But, <laughs> and uh, what about but Kenny Lonergan? Well, yeah. So Kenneth Longer Manchester by the Sea, which was at Sundance, and yeah. I—that's making its slow march. Yeah, maybe the Kodak Theater or wherever I, I they think do it these days. So, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and the interesting thing about that movie is that it's playing all these festivals and is getting lauded as as the a big Oscar hope, and it is. But it's also an Amazon movie, so it's mm-hmm. going to be released theatrically, but also be on Amazon. Yeah, that was something that stuck out to me when I was going through the film festival lineup: is just how many movies had Amazon or Netflix after their names mm-hmm. after the descriptions yeah i mean it's it's the brave new world you know yeah. uh and we'll see what works i mean you know last year i think was kind of the test year with beasts of no nation mm-hmm. and chirac to see can you know streaming movies make it in the awards conversation and beasts of no nation got there to some extent but it i think you know this well, year my we'll... understanding is voters were actively hostile to mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. idea yeah and really didn't like the idea at all but that's might just be one of those things that happens the first year and then they are going to give in. They also added more people than first they ignore you. Yeah, then exactly. They laugh at you. Sure. <laughs> then you win. Uh, a few yeah. more steps in there. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, at some point, there's just the brute force of good releases mm-hmm. is going to is going to break that tide. That seems just like a silly dead ender mentality. But yeah, sometimes yeah. people like to have their little protests. Yeah, sure. And, you know, I think that we can we can stand athwart history yelling stop as long as we want, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's going to happen. Well, I also just don't understand why, like, I actually have no idea what their actual objection could be. I think it's a financial one. Yeah, because you don't buy tickets to see these movies. You buy a subscription to a service or already have a subscription to a service, so you they aren't getting you know, box office out of it. Right. I think it's the same people who go like CinemaCon for mm-hmm. like the, the, you know, the, the theater, theater owners. owners, you know, and, and we're like, well, that's 
shitty for our bottom line. Even though these are getting theatrical releases, it's mm-hmm. just kind of presented right. with the option of. But it, they also get those very dutiful, like it mm-hmm. showed for three days at the ArcLight, so right. therefore, mm-hmm. so it qualifies Oscar qualified run. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, Manchester by the Sea is long and sad, and it doesn't need <laughs> to be seen on a big screen, honestly. And you know, I mean, I I finally realized like months after seeing it that like. I was in a bad mood for two days after seeing that movie. Not in like a, like, not like in a, not like in a bad way. I was just kind of depressed because it's a really sad movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's, it was, it, it's because I saw that movie and it was like snowy and cold. And I was like, oh, you know, um, great marketing for, yeah. uh, for Manchester Everyone by the Sea. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's really good. Michelle Williams. Uh, two day depression, right? guaranteed. Michelle Williams is in it. Yes. And she's not in many scenes, but okay. she has one scene that I think won her the Oscar already. Yeah. For best supporting actress. Boom. It's, I heard mean, it here. I mean, first. I haven't seen any or, of the other big fall movies, so who the hell knows? Okay, but if I if the Oscars were tomorrow, absolutely, it's her like I mean, network moment. Absolutely, in in a walk, she has this one scene toward the end of the movie, and she and Casey Affleck are ex, you know, spouses, and they are confronting some really difficult past in the scene, and it's just, I mean, she blows out of the water. Well, that's a tried and true way to win supporting. Sure mm-hmm. is is yeah. one one scene. You don't yeah. really need to do very much. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's like and Anne Hathaway and Les Mis. Yeah, and it's ex- ex- exactly like Anne Hathaway and Les Mis. It's exactly like um, Beatrice Strait in, yes. in Network. That's all you need, and she's really good in it. And uh, it, you know, it's a testament to her performance that like she's such a small part, but like for days afterward in Utah, like everyone's like, "Oh, did you see Michelle Williams in, in that movie?" You know, and even though mm-hmm. you know Casey Affleck, who also will be nominated, I'm pretty sure, uh, is great. She really stands out. Would you ever thought watching Dawson's Creek a million years ago that Michelle Williams would be this like serious Oscar yes. actress? Yeah. No. <laughs> Dawson's, Dawson's Creek did not show anybody at their best, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, few people will remember this, but uh, Michelle Williams before Dawson's Creek had a small role in uh, the movie Species about a sort of alien hybrid human who grows up to be Natasha Henstridge. Who grows up to be James Vanderbeek. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but Michelle Williams was in that as playing the sort of teenage alien. And back when I was still pretending to have crushes on girls, uh-huh. she was in my middle school very public crush was Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams. <laughs> like, guys, Street. I love like, Michelle she's Williams. so beautiful. The sensitive boy's yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I've been well, rooting for her for 20 right. years. So you're slightly yep. in the tank for Michelle. I am. You're saying you <laughs> um, should take the, the best supporting actress thing with a slight gl- grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. well, so okay. we'll see. But um, <laughs> I'm just pretending to... Uh, um, <laughs> is there anything on this list, on these um, uh, New York Film Festival, that you guys are particularly excited about? Because, like, I mean, I've seen a bunch of these canned things, or does anything jump out at you when you looked at the list or uh something that stood out to me that we haven't mentioned yet is patterson the adam driver plays a bus driver Mm -hmm. movie the jim jarmusch yeah yeah Yeah. which just seems like the adam driveriest thing i can possibly think of it's a very chicken and egg kind of movie it's like did adam what came first here like (laughs) this role adam driver what yeah and it's really good Mm -hmm. and it's it's a really good movie it's a really nice film that was at canon I am happy to see it on this list. I think it's also maybe going to be at one of the other festivals. Toronto, maybe? I think it might be a Toronto. And it's really interesting because um, it's getting the kind of, it seems to be getting the Oscar-y push that I, it didn't seem like it would mm-hmm. in May. But I think that they know that they have something great. So it could be a big mm-hmm. year for Adam Driver. Like a, a best actor for him, possibly? Yeah, I mean, it's a really, sm- I mean, it's a small movie and it's a it's a very understated role. Mm-hmm. But uh, he plays it beautifully. And I think if nothing else, it will put him in that conversation for the next role. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now he's got the big box for office clout. episode eight. 
Well, exactly. Or nine? Where are we? Uh, eight. It'll eight. be eight. Yeah. Um, he's got the box office clout because of Star mm-hmm. Wars, and now he's got this indie film cred. Mm-hmm. He had it a little bit before, but like this. And really... the last season of Girls has, I think, finished filming. Right. So there he's you go. free. So he's he is a free man. Um, yeah. So I think that'll be interesting, and I think that watching that movie play out at the festivals and see how people respond to it will be really interesting. In the same way that it's going to be interesting to see what Birth of a Nation does mm-hmm. at Toronto. And I I've said I think on this podcast before that if that movie plays well at Toronto, I think it has it sewn up. Yeah. Best picture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, that's but that's why these fall festivals are fun because you both see new things, but also see older stuff that now gets seen by more it's people. Getting, and, it's, it's having its moment. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of us get to see them. Yeah. I want to see certain women that Kelly Reichert. I'm such a oh, yeah. huge fan of hers. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, speaking of Michelle Williams and yeah. speaking of uh, Kristen Stewart. Yeah. So they're both doubling up at this festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm excited for that. I think everything that 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 director does is is pretty mm-hmm. much cool. Yeah, it's an interesting movie, and Kristen Stewart's segment of the it's a kind of a triptych of three different stories. It's based on um, a, a short story author's collection. Kristen Stewart's storyline is really great, and she's mm-hmm. really great in it. Yeah. And, um, what about this Ken Loach thing? I mean, is there any like is, is does that have any Oscar potential, or is that just like a made for can? Yeah, um, type of a deal. So this is the film the that won the Palme d'Or. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, Daniel Blake. And, and it's it, like a working class social drama, realism. Right? Social kind realism of, drama? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and kind of came out of nowhere in a little bit to win the Palme d'Or at Cannes. But he's won twice before. So um, it shouldn't <laughs> have been that much of a surprise. Right. You know, I don't know. There no, there's no one of name in it. Like, there's it no doesn't have any Oscar glamour, right? It's no. a very can no. like we still remember the. It's going to be like you got to see that third movie Republic. to have seen all the movies of 2016. Like, it's going to mm-hmm. be like, uh-huh. okay, have you seen the Loach? You know, it's and, uh-huh. and I think that's going to be it. Um, got to catch them all. Very, very staid, depressed. My contribution Pokemon. to this conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Bring in the Pokemon references. Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of vegetables, but I mean, uh, but that's not to say they're bad. It's just, it's bad. It's just, you know, I think it's just vegetables. It's just vegetables. steamed vegetables <laughs> with no salt. British, you know, they're just the British way. So, uh-huh, you know, it, uh-huh. it, it, mushy it, peas, the mushy peas of the uh, yes. film slate. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the watery tea and mushy. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Mr. Roach. Um, Metaphor has gotten away from us. Yeah. 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 And before we leave New York, the film warm festival, ale. Sorry. Yes. I'm done. I'm stopped. The bubble and squeak. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a gross term. Um. You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on the New Yorker Radio Hour wherever you listen to podcasts. The last movie I wanted to mention, it's a new one that I haven't seen. I know one person who saw it in a long late screening was Moonlight, which is not really on many radars yet. Um, It's a movie by a director named Barry Jenkins. It is about a gay black or a a, a black kid in America who's figuring out that he's gay, um, which is not a topic that is often covered in films. Um, which I'm really excited about. It has a good cast that uh, of Naomi Harris, Marshall Ali from House of Cards, Janelle Monet is in it, Andre Holland. Um, you know, so it's a really interesting cast. And it, uh, a friend of mine who has seen it texted me right after he got out of the screening. He was like, "Moonlight, keep an eye on that one. 
it's it's really really great um so i'm excited about that and i had actually emailed the publicist about like is it going to be at, at any of the fall festivals and she was kind of coy and then the next day it was announced that it was going to be at new york, film, new york film festival which is a good all sign. right yeah moonlight yeah they don't glad pr- there's something new for you to see yeah well and you <laughs> like saw that saw new that. york film festival doesn't premiere a lot of movies so um yeah. so i love new york film festival it's great it's at Lincoln so Center. Cool. It's cool. It's in the mm-hmm. fall. It's you know you're waiting in line, but it's not too hot. You know it's it's a good. Yep. It's a good time. Yep. I'll see you. Uh, all right, friends and neighbors. This is Jen Lindley, and I'm signing off for the summer. Uh, but it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed sharing music that I like and uh, having this opportunity to vent. So I guess what I'm trying to say is thank you all for listening. And I'll catch you on the flip side. Now I'm really excited for Oscar season, and I want to go back in time, way back, to when probably... I don't know. I was born. Hillary definitely wasn't born. I don't know about Richard. Sam, can we just underscore this with the, the theme song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Vangelis. <laughs> I feel like I got the year wrong here because I'm seeing that Atlantic City was 1980, actually. It was the 81 Oscars. It was the 54th Academy Awards presented on March 29th, 1982. All right, whatever. So it was the year... 82 Oscars, movies of 81. Movies of 81. Yeah. Except for Atlantic City, which apparently came out in uh, in 80, 80. But anyway, Chariots of Fire won. And it was a surprise win. Surprise win. And uh, yeah, Richard, do you want to take us through this? Take us through this. So my understanding take is that back. it was a surprise <laughs> win because it was this tiny... It was like a kind of indie film from Britain that about track runners, you know, at the 1924 Olympics, which is why we're talking about it That's today, right. because mm-hmm. of the Olympics. And a lot of people thought that Reds was going to win this big, sweeping historical epic from Warren Beatty that got a billion nominations and, you know, um, is a very good movie. Vanity Fair has done a whole making of Reds and has never done a making of Chariots of Fire. Just there you another go. Signifier. There you go. And to finish my Vanity Fair <laughs> flashback <laughs> and, references and, and, of this episode. Yeah, and there is, there, you know, it's Reds is sort of a VF kind of movie. Yeah. And uh, and very, was, at the time, certainly a very Oscar-y movie. And then, not mm-hmm. the Chariots of Fire was, and it's a period, it's a sweeping period drama, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, it was kind of the scrappy little thing and it was a movie about scrappy people, you know, so it, it kind of, the, the narrative sort of dovetailed, dovetailed well into a win. But I guess the question for us is, do we think it deserved it? You know, um, do you want to run down who else was nominated? It was Chariots of Fire, Atlantic City, the uh, Louis Mal film. Yeah, great, great movie. On Golden Pond, which you'll remember, Jane Fonda. And the Loons, Norman, the Loons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Raiders, a, a little tiny film called Raiders of the Lost Ark that mm-hmm. no one remembers at all. Yep. And Reds, the Warren Beatty yeah. prestige drama yeah. about uh, communists in House on American activity. Communist mm, world. Before that. Pre, pre, yeah, pre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Diane Keaton, great, great movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I you know I would say Chariots Fire really all anyone remembers is the song. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the score. Um, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched it as a kid because my mom was into it, and you yeah. know, uh, and she was my mom. I think it was on when I was a kid. It was runners. on like Cinemax sure. all day, every day. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just that, and then Raiders of the Lost Ark. They just loop back and forth. Right. Uh, if I had to kind of retcon it, I mean, I like. I like Atlantic City quite a bit. That's a great, yeah. great Burt mm-hmm. Lancaster and Susan Sarandon, a movie that was sort of 
put on the TV in front of me by my parents, and I was like, and I usually resisted that, but that one I was like, oh, this is actually really good. But I would give it to Raiders. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. Of yeah. of the five, it's had the most staying power. And I think that it 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 what it's trying to do it does exactly perfectly. And I mm. think that that is enough of a criteria. Mike, for Mike, I feel like picture. you're disagreeing. I mean, it's a pokey little movie. I mean, if you go back to it, mm-hmm. the wheels are a little shaky on that movie. <laughs> like, it's a lot of fun, and I yeah. think it was almost intentionally done that way because yeah. it was supposed to be like one of these old serials, the things mm-hmm. that like you'd go back in the old days, the little movies that ran before a movie. Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg was trying to recapture that and make a whole feature out of it. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe there's a snob in me that's just like, there's some shit in that movie that's just like, you can see the rafter, the, whatever. <laughs> the strings. You can see yeah, the strings. Yeah, you can see the strings. You don't, you yeah. don't think that the, the face melting is up to par? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's brilliant and inspired and, mm-hmm. and incredible. I mean, and Harrison Ford doing his like, is he acting or not? Like, you know what I mean? Did, <laughs> did he, did he just get the they script didn't tell five he, seconds ago? They didn't tell him he was in a movie. That's, that, right. that's, that's the trick. <laughs> What Harrison Ford does on his off time. Me and I George mean, Lucas went on this crazy adventure. Yeah. It's, I always think of like, you can type these lines, but you can't say them <laughs> as <laughs> his sort of acting approach to acting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would do it. I, I think, I think it, what, for what it's trying to be, it does it perfectly. It's indelible. It's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. And it's kind of a corrective for not giving it to Star Wars four years earlier. Yeah. I think the one that I would want to watch most right now, I, I mean, I, I like Raiders anytime, but I think what I'd want to watch most right now is Atlantic City. That's the one where I would be like, yeah, mm-hmm. let's get in and let's mm-hmm. like, this yeah. will be fun. Yeah, yeah. Rather than like so heavy. Some of the other ones are just. Yeah. Or on Golden Pond, which is just from Altsas. Mm-hmm. Hillary? I was born in 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like I should maybe recuse myself from this. No, discussion. you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I Just mean, go of, for it. I I I have to admit that Raiders is the one that I have seen of these five movies. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe that's. Uh, although I feel like I would probably love On Golden Pond. Honestly, oh, mm. it's On Golden Pond is good, and it also introduces us. I believe it's the first cinematic capturing of the phrase "suck face" <laughs> inter- when making out, and so like a teenage boy says it, and then Henry Fonda says it. Automatic Oscar. Yeah, he says to Catherine Hepburn, "You want to suck face." <laughs> At one point in that movie, so I'm all right, I, I gotta go. I'm surprised <laughs> yeah. they haven't uh, remade on Golden Pond with Jane Fonda in the Catherine Hepburn role. Oh, that's kind of, that's kind that's of right. That's in the works. Like yeah. They did a stage version with um, James Earl Jones and I think either Leslie Uggams right. or, or Cecily yeah. Tyson yeah. a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually was pretty well received, but um, yeah, I think you're right. That the, the cinematic right? Fonda continuation inevitable. saga yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. going to happen. Okay, well, I'm 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 fine with that. Uh, happening I don't know Atlantic City I want to watch it tonight it's been a long time it's, it's been a one. few years it's a good one. what happens in Atlantic City oh it's sort of like a thrillery sort of a thing and Susan Sarandon plays a young casino worker and I remember she says she's learning French and she's like well it's the international language of diplomacy which dates that movie considerably <laughs> and Burt Lancaster's what like a private eye or somebody yeah something yeah, like it's that it's like a whole kind of okay. into the night kind of adventure thriller thing it's good Well, that about does it for this episode of Little Gold Men. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find all of us writing about awards and, in my case, too much Donald Trump uh, on VF.com and on Twitter. I'm Mike underscore Hogan. Richard. Rylaz. And Hillary. 
Hillabuster with two R's. Hillabuster. Uh, <laughs> and two L's. And two L's, yes. And two L's. This uh, episode was edited by Tim Einkel and produced by Sam Dingman. As always, we thank Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please, please go to our iTunes page and follow us and rate us and leave a glowing review and then send an email to everyone you know. Yeah. Demanding that they do the same because that is how this thing works. And the award for the thing we hope you don't say when you read our description on iTunes goes to Hillary Busis. I will say that the description made me roll my eyes a tiny bit. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>